0: resulting in victimization of the innocent. I'd like to share with you some observations about victimization, not only in biblical times, but also in our own nation's history. I recently came across a letter written in the year 1850 by a free African American in Boston. The author of the letter was Henry Whedon, a tailor by trade and he received a coat to repair that was owned by the United States Marshal for Massachusetts. The Marshal at that time was authorized under the infamous Fugitive Slave Act to round up any black, fugitive or free, for return to servitude in the South. And it seems that the Marshal was actively engaged in doing so. Here is what Mr. Whedon wrote to the Marshal sir your coat came to me this morning for repairs i take this method of returning it without complying with your request with me principal first money afterwards though a poor man i crave the patronage of no being that would volunteer his services to arrest a fugitive slave or that would hang a hundred negroes for 25 cents each Let us take a moment to reflect on the heart and faith of Henry Whedon. How opposed his open letter of principle is to Jezebel's secret and heartless letter. How opposed this courageous letter was to the letters of apprehension that the marshal probably carried from southern plantation owners with descriptions of black people they barely knew. Let us participate in the resurrected life by reckoning how these stories of Naboth the vineyard owner and Henry Reed and the Taylor are calling us to act. We Presbyterians try to read the Old Testament historically and critically. We try to understand the context of the biblical stories. The old unified kingdom of David 3,000 years ago lasted two generations and split into two after Solomon's death into a northern Israel, with a capital in Samaria, where Ahab ruled, and a southern Judah, with a capital in Jerusalem. The southern kingdom traced its kingship through direct descendants from David for close to 500 years. This is the longest such family line of kings known to history. And the northern kingdom of Israel, on the other hand, underwent a series of usurpations of monarchy and finally was annihilated By a society, as a society, by the Assyrians in 721 BC. 135 years later, the Jerusalemites in the southern kingdom were finally defeated and carried off into exile in Babylon. And in this exile, scholars struggle to understand what had happened for God to have allowed this, for God to have left David's temple, and to have seemed to abrogate the statement to David in their scriptures that he and his line would have an eternal kingdom. In the exile, an historian or a group of historians would highlight what some, of the, what some of them thought were the ways that the southern Judahite kings had sinned and that they had sinned in the same way that the northern kings who had been defeated earlier had sinned. In the Book of Kings, we find that many of the southern kings had imitated the northern king's idolatries, their marrying of foreign wives, and their instituting rank injustices against the citizens of faith who had inherited land that God had given them. Today's story of Ahab dispossessing Naboth of his inheritance, then, is the signal injustice of the northern kingdom in the exiled historian's view. We find no worse sin In the book of Kings, Ahab's injustice mixes covetousness, false witness, conspiracy, and violence into a transgression so revolting that Elijah comes to inform Ahab and Jezebel that they will suffer a perversion of Jezebel's Phoenician religion that held that dogs were healers. Instead, Elijah warned the royal couple and their children will suffer the punishment of being attacked by dogs. Victimization, like Naboth suffers, marks the history of humanity from the first family, Cain and Abel. Victimization is the result, in human terms, of the willful, wicked action of humanity. God is absolved of responsibility of these, in these stories of victimization. Ahab victimizing Naboth, David victimizing Uriah the Hittite, Cain victimizing Abel, and the various elites victimizing the poor and the prophets through time. Victimization is the signal heartlessness of humanity. Victimization is humankind's biblical legacy. Humankind's biblical legacy. God has no part in it, except when God comes to take on the role of the victim and walks beside and vindicates the victim. Today's story of Ahab and Jezebel's victimization of Naboth by taking his vineyard involves an even more monstrous matrix of sin than than David's plotting against Uriah the Hittite so that he can possess Uriah's wife Bathsheba. Ahab's victimization of Naboth is something as monstrous as Cain's cold-blooded dispatch of his brother Abel. Naboth is known as a Jezreelite. Jezreel is a word related to Israel, a town known for its vineyards. In 2010, in January of 2010, I traveled by bus through Jezreel and found that it continues to be a place of fertile agriculture, kibbutzim, and lush vineyards. Smells of flowers and dairy. It seems the the land of milk and honey. Naboth understood that his vineyard was a sign of God's blessing. Vineyards throughout the Old Testament from the time of Noah are a sign of God's covenant blessing. and In the gospel parables, the vineyard is repeatedly the setting for Jesus to demonstrate how God interacts with humanity. We are told in the text that Naboth is living by faith, surrounded by scoundrels and the courtiers of Ahab's summer home. We may read Psalm 5 from today's first scripture reading as Naboth's prayer as he lives by faith on the vineyard in the land given to his ancestors. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your your way straight before me, for there is no truth in their mouths, their hearts are destruction, their throats are open graves, they flatter with their tongues. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice, let them ever sing for joy, spread your protection over them, so that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover them with favor as with the shield. This is the life that Naboth was living. And he and Henry Whedon lived by faith. Their hearts were conditioned by what ought to be in God's world rather than what is in human society. Whedon's faith like Naboth's involves courageously refusing the commercial offers of government agents, and trusting the Lord for life and provision. Naboth refuses a commercial offer from Ahab, while Whedon refuses business from the U.S. Marshal. We know nothing of Whedon's fate, but Naboth became a victim of secret forged letters accusing him of treason and blasphemy, which led to his execution and the confiscation of his vineyard. Naboth becomes victimized, by a travesty of due process. It is victimization of people like Naboth that moves through the historical annals of the Old Testament, augmented by the stories of the prophets calling the powerful to account for their collective victimization of the poor by false weights, by trading the lives of the poor for silver, and by taking every last bit of grain from the threshing floor and fields so that the poor could not glean. Yet the Bible is a story of the living God who oversees justice for even the least of these, who adopt into their hearts and virtue the example of Jesus Christ. And that's where the gospel comes in as we struggle with these stories. Not only because in the gospel do we learn the story of the ultimate victim. We also learn in the gospel that God uses victimization and weakness to defeat the ultimate power of the victimizers. The oppressor's power has always been manifested by the shock and awe of violence or the threat of it. Jesus' heart, courage, faith, and forgiveness, on the other hand, are victorious over this manifold victimization. Jesus' victimization results in what we call the victory of the cross. We are confronted with a question, do we believe in the power of victims? Do we believe in the victory of Jesus' pronouncement of forgiveness of his victimizers from the cross? One One way this question and one way victimization might lead to resurrection in our hearts and lives today is if we adopt into our virtues Henry Whedon's principle first, money afterwards. Whedon's is a letter of faith that confronts victimizers. It's a letter that Naboth never was able to write. The stories of Naboth and Uriah and others are memorialized in the eternal judgment and safekeeping of a God who favors and vindicates the victims of injustice, indeed, of a God who comes to share in the injustice as a victim and who triumphs over that victimizer's injustice through meekness and forgiveness. Thus, justice leaves no one above the law and no one beneath its protection, and thanks be to God for that. The United States of America also has an ethic that no one is above the law, And in fact, our Constitution specifically provides for equal protection of the laws. Yet, high government officials have recently proclaimed that equal application of the laws is not currently feasible for banks and their traders, which are too big to fail or too big to jail. Moreover, the executive branch is now claiming the power to imprison American citizens on American soil in military camps without due process and for a prolonged duration, notwithstanding their constitutionally guaranteed presumption of innocence and right to a trial. And, as we found out this week, the Supreme Court decided that minorities in 14 historically discriminating states will almost certainly suffer reduced access to the vote compared with majority groups. Withdrawal of due process and unequal application of law undermines public trust, which should be our children's common inheritance. It was something I grew up with. Now we understand from history that such endemic injustice may escalate into revolt and even expiatory bloodletting, creating more victims. In my view, it's not that God is violent, Instead, I believe that God has built into humanity's heart the cosmic foundation and expectation of justice so that when a persecuting class denies justice to a victimized minority for long enough, even the majority revolts. The social bond and trust is destroyed and primitive, irrational, and cruel forces may too often be unleashed. What conclusions can we make? Henry Whedon's message of principle first, money afterwards, serves us in these dark times as we are increasingly confronted with autocratic financial and corporate power. When corporations or government agencies send us threatening letters or when the unchecked executive police power dictates in the name of national security, but in service to the narrow interests of fear, finance, and amassed property, We might take stock of the principles involved, as did Henry Whedon. What are these stories calling our hearts to? Are we called by our faith to dispossess property and rights even if we can get away with it? To comply with national security letters, to inform on our neighbor's view of God and government, to act on fear and greed, or to act on principle and virtue? It is, I submit, and we heard from Dan this morning to our children, our youth, that it's clear from history that justice requires bold and principled responses that counter secretive and unjust demands. Ethical action will prevail over money and power if God is the God of providence, to which our reformed tradition testifies. 500 years of our tradition testifies. That providence will prevail over money and amassed power. The violent and dispossessing powers of injustice, conspiracy, and secret letters are on the wrong side of history. It is not possible that they will thrive in the long term. Look to the example of Jesus, who followed principle, meekness, and even the call of victimhood into the Lordship we confess. Let us be resolute when confronted with autocratic power. Let us be resolute when we are tempted to ignore or comply with conspiracy. Let us be virtuous and principled in our speech and our letters and our commerce. For we take only with us into the next life our compassion and our virtue. May the Lord of resurrecting life triumph over dead injustice. May the Lord of principle vindicate the victims of secrecy and renewed Jim Crow. May the Lord come and triumph quickly in our hearts and our world. Naboth, Henry Whedon, and our Lord Jesus Christ would have it so. Amen.